Salutations! Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co host, my sister, and my brother in law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from the Gold Room of the Overlook Hotel, discussing the 1980 horror classic, The Shining. The film was co written and directed by Stanley Kubrick, based upon the novel by Stephen King. While the film earned dissatisfaction from King due to its glaring differences from his novel, it's widely praised by critics and audiences alike, and it's considered one of the greatest horror films of all time. This week marks the 40th anniversary of its release, and the cultural impact of the film is still felt in horror to this very day. So, what were your first impressions on The Shining? I can honestly say I did not watch this movie until I was a teenager. Really? I have no idea why, and if I did, I don't remember it, but... I've watched this movie a handful of times, including us watching it. Right. But I didn't watch it until I was, like, older. I think, honestly, we might have been in the same boat. I don't remember seeing this as a child. As a young child? Like, when we were watching It and stuff? No. No. But I feel like we were fairly young because I know that I had watched the film and then read that Stephen King hated it. Right. And being like, how the hell could he hate this? Because it was so good. But then when I was a teenager, I read the novel and I was like, that's why he hated it. I honestly, here's, here's, here's my opinion on that. Okay. I know it's become in popular culture. Literally everything is a Stephen King property. But Kubrick's The Shining was only the second film ever based on a Stephen King property. Really? Yeah. Because you had Carrie and I believe 76. Yeah. And then The Shining in 1980. And so it's kind of odd to me because the things he's attached his name to recently haven't all been hits, but he's been like on the campaign trail for them. I I saw The Dark Tower in theaters. It was a piece of shit. But there was also a blurb from him at the beginning of the film saying how great it was. And it's his magnum opus. I feel like... But this film is a classic and he hated it but also this was 1980 stephen king versus when did the piece of shit movie come out 2017 20 20 whatever but also at the same time he wrote in dance macabre that it was a great movie the shining it is it's a very poor adaptation but he didn't say that in there he didn't say that until later he he said it, it it's just odd to me because it's like if you said in 1980 that he hated it and then he grew to like it, I understand that. But he said he liked it and then he grew to hate it. Well, maybe he had more time to marinate yeah. on it and like think about it. I guess. Because when Kubrick made the film, he said that he would make it under the condition that he could change whatever he wanted. And Stephen King agreed to that. Then I love Stephen so, King, but I'm no, sorry. Everybody knows how I feel about Stephen King. That was his mistake, I think, to have done that. But at the same time, this film wouldn't have been made by Stanley Kubrick if he hadn't. No, I... And I I feel like he kind of trusted his vision enough because they tell stories about Kubrick was reading novels of what he had wanted to make his next movie about. Yeah. And his secretary says that he would throw the book against the wall after (laughs) reading it for an hour. And then when he took The Shining in there and she didn't hear it thump against the wall, she was like... Finally. That's the next movie. And I'm tired all, of cleaning books off the floor. Yeah. <laughs> all during production, he would call Stephen King at one, two, three o'clock in the morning and be like, Do you believe in hell? Do you believe in God? 
you believe in the devil? Like he's trying to get into his head. So, I guess. Uh, yeah. To so I'm sure story. Stephen King was really like, damn, he's like really, you know, getting into it or like really. And he, I mean, changed characters. He changed who dies. I was going to say outcomes of characters. Yeah, we'll I, get more I into never... it because I think I'm the only one at the table that has read the book. Yeah, yeah I never read it. Yeah, no. Um, And again, please don't misunderstand me because this is an incredible movie and I think that it does deserve the reputation that it has for being one of the greatest horror films of all time but it is not a good adaptation and if this is my second film being adapted uh, maybe he was just a little the bar was a little bit higher because Carrie Carrie I've, was I've reread Carrie point. recently and aside from the fact that she's supposed to be chubby and have acne it's pretty fucking beat by beat. I mean, it was very true to its source material. So I feel like... I didn't know that. And you know what? Maybe Stephen King was contractually supposed to say, oh, this is an excellent movie. And then the contract ran out and he's like, P.S., this shit sucks. But then, well, there's there's an interesting story I read as well because he would go on to remake The Shining or have it remade uh-huh. as a made-for-TV film, yeah. like a miniseries. But whenever it came time to make the miniseries in 97, he had to get permission from (laughs) Kubrick to make it. And part of the condition of him being able to make it was that he had to stop talking shit about it, about the original (laughs) film. Oh, wow. He's like, like, you can make it, but shut the hell up. And um, he, he said, look, you can say whatever you want about... Um, certain aspects of it, but you can't say the film is it's a piece a of shit. It's a bad movie, yeah. And he agreed. I never knew that. But, I mean, the miniseries is more accurate to the source material, but it is nowhere near as good right. as the film. So so it's like, we you have know, to, what's what more important? What did this come out on, or what was it? It was like It. It was a, yeah. I think it's like a six hour miniseries, on six television. or eight hours. No, well, like that's that. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, what, where did it air on what? I have no idea. No, I don't <laughs> nobody know. Nobody knows. Yeah. I know that it was, by comparison, The Shining, the film from 1980, is much more critically acclaimed. I will say that my friend (laughs) had The Shining miniseries. She had bought The Shining miniseries, and I had gotten Rose Red, Mm -hmm. and she had never seen Rose Red, so we swapped and let each other borrow it so that each other could see it. And she was like, you know what? You can go ahead and keep that. <laughs> Shining miniseries. I, I don't want it back. Um, Rose Red was good, though. Rose Red is really yeah, good. I liked Rose Red. <laughs> Surprisingly yeah. good. But we'll get further into, I guess, some of the differences as we go through the plot. Oh, of yeah. The film. I'm here. I, I got, I'm sliding my glasses up my nose. I'm ready to <laughs> actually, yeah, no, I'm All ready. Right. Now, before we hack our way into the bathroom of this film, we'd like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's shine on. So the film opens with a sweeping overhead shot of a yellow car traveling down a winding road. We hear the opening theme, which has kind of become synonymous with the film, but it's actually a reworking of the Dies Irae, which is this old chant of Latin origin from the 13th century. The thing is, is nothing is ever accidental for Stanley Kubrick. Everything is always intentional. Dies Irae means the day of wrath in Latin, and they would sing it at funerals. And the weird thing is that this song has been used and reused, not... The Shining's theme, the DS Irae, in countless films. It's in Star Wars. It's in, like, it's in, like, <laughs> everything. Making Christmas, Nightmare Before Christmas, <gasps> it's in that. 
Like it's just this weird I thing that, that is just used over and over. <laughs> but the shot of them going down that winding road has been parodied it's in like, iconic. everything. It's yeah. so iconic. There, but there's so many iconic shots in this. Like there I really feel like are. I'm gonna be take a shot every time I say iconic. You'll die. Yeah. <laughs> don't please don't. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. We're not legally liable for the people who um I was thinking most recently it was reused in Jordan Peele's Us. Yeah. Whenever it was. you first meet the family. Uh, there's actually a lot of things lifted from The Shining in Us. Really? Yeah, we can talk about that if we ever cover Us. But there are rumors that Stanley Kubrick superimposed his face in the clouds of the opening shot. It's not true at all. I don't know why. <laughs> Is this the Lion ever... King? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I don't understand, but... It's like, oh no, that wasn't The Shining, that was The oh, Lion that's King. that's right. I, I always get those two mixed up. But... The, th- the funny thing about that is you're going to hear a lot of random rumors and theories th- throughout this episode from us because The Shining is so, I guess, deep in pop culture that people have come Told up fables. with insane yeah. theories about it. But after we get the quick shot of them driving, we get a title card that says The Interview. For some reason, I do not remember these title cards at all. I had the exact yeah. same thought. And were, it has not been that long since I've seen this. No, they were brand new to me. I had the exact same thought. But I, I did think that too, though. I was like, I don't I don't remember this and the last time like I've seen it. Like a that. lot of yeah, them. There's it's I don't understand why I wouldn't remember. And even when The Simpsons parodied The Shining, they did yeah. these title cards. cards. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I thought about that Simpsons parody a lot oh, when I was watching. Times. This. It didn't it didn't ruin the film, but it got in the way. No, sometimes. it's in there. <laughs> so we're shown a flashback to a job interview. Jack Torrance, played by Jack Nicholson. He walks into the Overlook Hotel to meet with Stuart Ullman about a position. He's going to kind of take over as the winter caretaker for the hotel from October to May. Yeah. Interestingly, the exterior shots of the hotel were filmed in Oregon, and the interior shots of the hotel were filmed on a soundstage in England. So it kind of sucks because whenever I first saw the film, I was like, oh, I want to stay in that hotel. But you can never stay in that hotel because it doesn't even exist. Yeah. So that kind of sucks. But The outside exists. Yeah, you can go there. Um (laughs) According to Wikipedia, at the time, the set of the hotel was the largest set ever built at that wow. studio. And when you see the how big and how... Expansive. And detailed, yeah. you're like, not surprised. Yeah. But Stephen King was pissed because he wanted them to film the movie at the Stanley Hotel in Colorado, which is actually what the Overlook is based on. Well, that's where he stayed when he was writing Exactly, it. Yeah. but they didn't, and so it bothered him. Also, Barry Nelson, the actor who plays Stuart Ullman, Mm -hmm. he's the first actor to ever play James Bond on screen. Whoa! But he never played him in a movie. It was for some weird TV anthology in 1954. What the hell? So after we see him walk in and check in with the receptionist, we get a quick scene between Jack's wife, Wendy, played by Shelley Duvall, and their son, Danny, played by Danny Lloyd, in their apartment back in Boulder, Colorado. Danny doesn't seem super excited about moving into the Overlook, and Wendy tries to assure him everything's going to be okay, and she asked him if Tony is excited to be moving into the hotel. Tony, I guess, is like Danny's imaginary friend that Danny speaks through with his finger. Right. Tony isn't into the hotel idea either. Though. No. Also, I like in, in this scene that Wendy is talking to Danny and drinking coffee and eating a sandwich and reading a book and smoking a cigarette. She's very busy. <laughs> <laughs> Shelley Duvall didn't know what to do with her hands, I guess. I don't know. And the finger thing, I read that Danny Lloyd did that in his first audition to play Danny, that that uh-huh. was completely originally this child's oh. 
So it wasn't even like written in the script or anything? No, he did that. He also, the whole time this movie was being made, he thought it was a family drama. He didn't know it was a horror movie. <laughs> well, and yeah, he didn't yeah. know it was a horror movie until he was 17 years old and he watched it. It's probably for the best. Yeah. And also Tony, I guess I should probably wait to talk about this till the end, but Tony takes on a different, like Tony's something different in the book. Oh, okay. okay. So back in Ullman's office at the Overlook, Bill Watson joins the meeting with Jack. I guess he's another official at the Overlook. They never really say exactly what his job duty is. He just joins the meeting and he really doesn't say anything no, during the meeting. He doesn't. He's just kind of there. But it's revealed that Jack is a former school teacher and right now he's a writer and he's looking to use this five months of time to work on a writing project in kind of isolation. And he talks kind of vaguely about being a former teacher. Mm -hmm. um, in the book, he gets fired because he gets drunk. And after a disagreement, he like beats the shit out of one of the students of the school. Yeah, that doesn't come <laughs> up in the movie at, at all. all. Yeah. yeah, but it's another testament to like the toll that his drinking has taken on himself and his family. Right. So Ullman warns Jack that the solitude and like isolation of taking on this job could be a problem for some people. And Jack's like, no, you know, we'll be fine. Me and my family, it'll be totally cool. Then Ullman gets down to brass tacks about an incident that happened in the hotel 10 years ago that would potentially give Jack second thoughts about taking the position at all. I found it interesting that he would tell Jack about this. I think it's kind of shitty that he waited this long to tell Jack about this. That's also fair because it's for a lot of people, it would be a deal breaker. A complete deal breaker. <laughs> Ullman tells Jack that in 1970, another winter caretaker, the job he's about to take on by the name of Charles Grady, brought his family to the Overlook, and as time passed, Grady was unable to handle the isolation and decided to murder his wife and two yeah, daughters. He, he Lizzie Borden them. With an axe, yeah, yeah. He killed them with an axe, and then he blew his brains out. Yeah. And oddly, when Ullman's telling the story, his tone doesn't really match the gravity of what he's yeah, saying. He, he's like, <laughs> isn't this yeah. fucking nuts? He's like, and then he uh, <laughs> murdered his family, and... Uh, well, you want those keys? Brains out. Yeah. <laughs> so you start Monday? No, it's like so weird. Jack's kind of taken aback a bit by the story, but he assures Ullman, you know, I'm not going to murder my family, <laughs> which is an odd thing to have to I'm say in a job interview. That. Yeah, I'm not going to kill anybody. Well, that's so funny because when he's asking him that, uh -huh. he's like, in your family? Oh, they'll love it. Yeah. yeah he's like, that's <laughs> he's funny. like, don't worry yeah, about them. Don't worry about them at all. He actually says that his wife would be intrigued by the story because she's into ghost stories and horror films and stuff. And I'm like, well, honestly, I'd be very intrigued by that I'd story. I'd be intrigued, but I'd yeah. be nervous as hell. Really? Yeah. I'd be like, oh, neat. No? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, a normal family came to this place and the father is driven so crazy that he murders the whole family and then kills himself. And your normal family is about to move into this place to take the same job at the same place and do the same thing that he did? Well, maybe you got a point. Think there. on it. Think <laughs> um, on it just a little bit. I did think it was interesting. Jack is the best damn job interview interviewee, <laughs> I guess, I, I, that I've ever seen. He, okay. He was literally told the last guy chopped his family to bits <laughs> and he painted the walls with his brains. What do you, what, what do you say to that? And he had an answer for it. <laughs> he prepared for everything. I, yeah. in my job interviews, if someone's like, well, tell us about yourself. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, I did not think that through. Uh, so next we get this slow dolly shot of Danny in the bathroom at their apartment in Boulder. 
He's presumably brushing his teeth, but he's also talking to Tony through his finger. Tony says Jack got the job and is going to call Wendy to tell her in just a few moments, which is exactly what happens. Yeah. So you start to get like, uh, that's strange, you know, kind of planting the seeds for the rest of the story to come. So Danny asks Tony to tell him why he doesn't want to go to the Overlook. And Tony's like, nah, I'm not, I don't want to get into that, basically. (laughs) So he keeps asking him. And then out of nowhere, Danny gets these visions of an elevator in the hotel opening up in slow motion and gallons of blood are just pouring out of it. Another iconic shot. Absolutely. But then we also get a quick shot of two twin girls standing together at the end of a hallway and Danny silently screaming. And then the blood from the elevator kind of fills the screen. And then that's the end of that little situation. Yeah. So we get, like you said, two iconic shots in a row. And the little shot, or not little shot, but (laughs) the shot of the blood pouring off of the elevator. Stanley Kubrick, I think, is notorious for, okay, let's do that again. Okay, let's do that again. Even if it's perfect. Yeah, literally, you know, 50, 60, 70 times in a row doing the same, you know, five minute scene over and over and over. So they would do the scene with the blood and he'd be like, doesn't look enough like blood. And it took nine days for them to clean and set the scene up every single time. Unbelievable. I would be like, this fucking guy. They, like, probably, I can't. they daydreamed no about killing him. I guarantee they had you. Oh. Like, there's no way. Nine days to set up one, what, like five second shot? Yeah. yeah. That, and the thing is, is that it's in slow motion, so it's even shorter, probably. And, yeah, oh, and all, yeah. you're right. Oh, shit. Yeah. And all he has to do is stand there and look at it and be like, no, nah, nah. that's not it. Right. Like, I would. Right. I no, think, son, clean that up. Yeah. Let's do that again. <laughs> I think I would go crazy. I also read that they wanted to use that shot for the trailer, and the MPAA is like, I, look, I can see that. We cannot have blood in the trailer yeah. at all. And so he's like, oh, blood? That's not blood. That's uh, that's rusty water. And they were like, all right. And Shut so he, up. So he got it in by just flat out lying that's to them. That's just raspberry jam. <laughs> exactly. Um, so in the next scene, Danny's getting a checkup from a doctor in his bedroom. Apparently, he must have collapsed when he was brushing his teeth when he was having those we visions. We saw the vision, yeah. And so... The doctor asks questions that are kind of indicative of maybe he had a seizure. Yeah. And through those questions, the doctor learns about Tony. And Danny describes Tony as a little boy that lives in his mouth. Uh, again, I'm not a parent. That's not typically how imaginary no, friends go, right? No. How <laughs> do you have a whole ass kid in your mouth? It's like, dude, what? That's, it or, or how do you say that? Or answer, what do you, how do you answer to that? If one of the kids tells you, there's a little boy that lives in my mouth. There's what? I think I would say exactly what the doctor said, which was, can I see him? That's, that's oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly what I would say. It's like, no. <laughs> no. Well, and Danny says, no, you can't because when I open my mouth, he hides in my stomach. It's like, well, you've covered all the bases. Yeah, the doctor's like, well, it's a good answer. We're not going to cut you open to find us. Uh, never mind. You, you, you win again, Tony. <laughs> you won this round. So the doctor tells Wendy that Danny's going to be fine. But while they're talking, Wendy tells her that Danny had an injury caused by Jack previously. Basically, I guess Jack came home drunk and Danny had been messing with his papers so Jack grabs Danny by the arm and dislocates his shoulder. And after this is when Wendy first noticed Danny talking to Tony. And also the other byproduct of this is Jack promised that he would never drink again. 
And the doctor's just not pleased by the story. She looks very disturbed. Well, I feel like it's really odd for Wendy to be telling her this at all. Yeah. And also, this was like this book was largely autobiographical for Stephen King because he was also wrestling with alcoholism and drug abuse. And Mm -hmm. obviously, he is a writer that had young children at one point. And this was an instance that one of his sons had messed around all of his pages. And he said in that moment, he felt like he could have killed his son. Damn, Steve. Yeah, (laughs) that when they were young, he had like a red hot resentment towards them. How much coke and a lot and drinking? (laughs) A whole lot. I get mad at the kids. I don't ever want to kill them. No, he said he literally felt like he could have killed him. And so I guess he worked that out as Jack, right, you know, was... being a little too aggressive and trying to no, trying yeah. to discipline him and really hurting him. So basically really what, him. what he could have done. Yeah. Right. So we get another title card that says Closing Day. We're taken back to the overhead shots of the car on the winding road. Only this time we actually see the Torrance family inside the car. They talk about the Donner party, which, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like some just some light conversation. Yeah. Road um, trip. I did think it was interesting because the Donner party, basically the story is they were like, it was Oregon Trail times, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. And they were on their voyage and they got stranded in the cold and basically had to eat each other to survive. Well, because it, it was a very ill-advised trip right. to begin with. And it was several families. It wasn't... I feel like I was under the impression that it was just like a few people. But it was a very large group. And yeah, they ended up... They ran out of resources. They got lost. It was cold. And they did. They, they ate each other. Shit happened. I guess. <laughs> just that easy. I do, I do have to say... It was in this scene that I kind of realized that Jack Nicholson may have been miscast. He's a great <gasps> actor. He's a great actor. And when things start getting going, he's perfect. He's perfect. But playing a mild-mannered father, it's hard. it just doesn't work very well for him. For him. He seems he seems kind of crazy from the get-go. I there there's a part where Danny's like, "I'm hungry." And then he goes, well, you should have finished your breakfast then. <laughs> and his eyebrows are fucking insane. <laughs> no. And I'm like, you're, you're okay, crazy. You haven't even gone to the hotel. That will make you crazy when your kids don't eat. And then they're like, well, I'm hungry. But <laughs> no, yeah. but I'm glad you said that because I thought the same thing. Yeah. Why that was, was another, like, was like, that was oh, another uh, beef that Stephen King had too, that Jack Nicholson seemed crazy from jump. Well, yeah, he seemed pissed off right away. He always, yeah. he, like, he reads crazy though. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, but I mean, it was a little like you said, his facial expression. Yeah, it's like he's already got like a madness that's yeah, ready to leap out. Yeah, you know, I can't and wait to kill there you. Were, <laughs> <laughs> there were several people, though, that were considered for Jack Torrance. And at the top of the list was Robin Williams. Oh, who I don't know about that. Stanley Kubrick said came off as too psychotic. <laughs> and Robert what? De Niro, who Stanley Kubrick said wasn't psychotic enough. Did he see Taxi Driver? He said that based on the Taxi Driver performance. Oh, that doesn't make any wow, sense. Yeah. Really? Um, yeah, no. Also, embrace yourselves. <laughs> Chevy Chase. No. no. Martin Sheen. No. Leslie Nielsen. Get the fuck no. out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen. And Christopher Reeve. We're all at the top of the list. You know who I read that was considered that I think would have been perfect? Hmm. Harrison Ford. 
Harrison Ford as well. I did read that, but I don't I think. I, but he, uh, I can't I see think it. he could very easily play the good guy. I don't know. Yeah, the crazy part. Yeah, no. Maybe the early it. parts, but uh, like towards the end, I don't know. No, but and Jack Nicholson is perfect for those, and he's a great actor. Yeah. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Uh, no, he's Chinatown, and, and the he's crazy amazing. part is like nobody else. I don't think could convey no, the way no, that he does. No. So, I mean, potentially... But I do agree with you because Potentially he, miscast at the start. Yeah, he... But, uh, yeah. He comes off crazy off the rip. Right. So, the Torrances arrive at the hotel and they're shown around by Ullman and Watson. They're kind of told the history of the hotel just a little bit and how important people like movie stars and presidents have stayed there. The shots follow them through the hotel, and you kind of realize at this point how incredible the set design is. Yeah, you know, like I said, it was on a, it was a set. That's it crazy. wasn't real. I never would have guessed. And that. And it's so good that yeah. I thought it was real. My yeah, entire no, life. yeah, because that fireplace is badass. Oh, it that is. Big ass. I'm like, I want to stay there. Yeah. No, yeah, shit, you can just walk in there. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> in the fireplace. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> live the, yeah. it's gigantic. Yeah, it really is. So Danny's off on his own somehow playing darts. Which already was weird to Yeah, me. because I'm like, how did he break away so quickly? I thought that too. Right? <laughs> I was just let this dude yeah, wander yeah. off by himself. And how how old is he supposed to be in this movie? I would guess like between maybe seven and nine. I think he's supposed... He, in the book, he's five, but in the movie, I think that's right. Like okay. about seven. Okay, yeah. Still... No, yeah, I'm just Our saying. Our kids he are seems seven and eight, young, and like there's he, no uh, fucking way. You wouldn't let them oh, out of no. your sight, especially in a new place this big. No. So he's playing darts, like I said, and when he goes to gather them from the board, he turns around and he sees the two twin girls from his earlier vision. Yeah. They smile at each other and then just walk away. And I guess Danny doesn't really think much of it. Yeah. At least not yet. So Ullman is showing Jack and Wendy their apartment, and it's honestly pretty nice. It is. It's a nice looking apartment. They also pass through a hedge maze outside and talk more about the history of the hotel. Apparently, it was built in 1907 on an Indian burial ground. And Ullman says they had to repel a few Indian attacks while they were building it. Uh, first of all, maybe stop fucking building it. Hi, then. Red Flags. Yeah. Like, I mean, right? It's a ho- you know, it's not necessary. It's a hotel. It's no. not a kidney, right? <laughs> Second of all, is that historically accurate? In 1907? No, not in 1907. And also, excuse me, native? And another thing, uh, you're on their land. Yeah. yeah. What the, you're, they're okay. not in ta- attacking, right. you're invading, they're defending. Are we taking American history right now? Because that's kind of how it all started. Yeah, well, mm, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. honestly, red flags. Uh, Abound. Interestingly, the hotel is filled with native art, yeah, artifacts. It's almost like a slap in the face yeah. to oh, yeah. the people they took the land from. It's very disrespectful. So they're then taken into the gold room, which is a massive ballroom. But Ullman says they've removed all the alcohol for insurance purposes. I guess I'm not sure exactly what. I don't know. But I just take, you know, there's no alcohol here. <laughs> and Jack's like, that's not a problem. We don't, we don't drink. drink. Yeah. It's like, okay, Jack. And he's still on point with the answers is what I'm saying. When we have no alcohol, <laughs> perfect. We don't yeah. drink. We also don't have oxygen here. Yeah, we don't Great. breathe. Yeah, right. Fantastic. We are excited to be here, sir. <laughs> so the Torrances are introduced to Dick Halloran, played by Scatman Crothers, who is the head chef of the Overlook. He shows Wendy and Danny the kitchen. He takes them in. The walk-in freezer is stocked as hell. Oh, yeah. He's going in. He's like, you know, we got 30 pounds of ground beef. We got a whole last cow over here, right? <laughs> like, he, like it, they are going to eat well for the next five months. 
Interestingly, yeah. Halloran calls Danny Doc, and Wendy's like, that's our nickname for him. How did you know that? And he's like, what? I'm he's sorry, like, doesn't what? he look like a dog? Anyway, yeah, look right. over there. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, man, what's up, dog? He literally gets out of it with the Bugs Bunny impression, yeah. and it doesn't come up again. <laughs> It's just it ends there. He's hey, like, look in here. He's like, woo, cover that up pretty well. Um, and we, also, Wendy wouldn't let it go. She's like, we call him Doc. Did you ever hear us call him Doc? How did you know? To, it's like, dude. But then she immediately not, lets yeah. it go. <laughs> Doc is not this elaborate nickname. It's like, uh, you ready to get some ice cream, Xanthar the Great? Like, how it's, the oh, hell? How did you know that? <laughs> so Halloran shows him the dry storage. But while they're in there and Halloran's talking to Wendy, we get this loud ringing noise. And it, you can tell the way that it's shot, Dan, that's what Danny's hearing. And while he's hearing that, he looks over at Halloran, and Halloran telepathically asks him if he wants ice cream. Yeah. So here, here's my thing. You just you just covered up the doc situation. <laughs> you got out of that scot-free. <laughs> How did he know Danny wasn't going to be like, what did you just say? Right ice here. cream. <laughs> How did you? You're in my right head. How'd you do my that? Head. Like, well, when he asked, Danny's face is like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, he, he does that, too? <laughs> it's nuts. But luckily, Danny takes it on the cool. It's totally chill. <laughs> Keeps it to himself. Jack and the hotel guys come back for Wendy. I guess they want to show her around the basement. And Halloran takes Danny for that telepathic ice cream he promised. <laughs> and Ullman tells them that by 5 p.m., everybody's going to be out of the hotel. So the hotel is going to be completely empty except for the Torrance family. As I was watching it, I was like, that would be pretty exciting, I think. Maybe. That'd well, be kind of you know, cool. Because I've always daydreamed. I don't know if it's because of Dawn of the Dead, but I've always daydreamed about being in an empty <laughs> mall or being in an empty school. It's because oh, of yeah. Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so back in at the ice cream situation, Halloran tells Danny that he used to have conversations with his grandmother only in their minds. They called it Shining. I love this scene. No, it's such a great scene. It really is. It's almost like he's being his guide yeah, through he's this teaching power. Him. He's like, you know what? Because, you know, you can tell that Danny is kind of unaware of really what it's this even is. It's just kind of happening. Yeah. And so Halloran's trying to explain to him, I guess, it's nothing to be afraid of and how he right. can use it yeah. to his advantage. And that he's not alone. Yes. That's the most important part. Yeah. Because he says him, his grandmother... He's probably passed at this point. And he also says that others have it as well. So Danny seems pretty hesitant to talk about it. And he says that Tony says that he's not supposed to talk about yeah. it. He says Tony actually shows him visions and tells him things once he starts to open up a little bit. And Halloran's like, well, has he ever shown you anything about the Overlook? And then he tells him that the Overlook has something similar to The Shining. And that when things happen in locations... They leave traces behind that people with the shining can see, good or bad. Yeah. And so Danny just randomly asks, he's like, what's in room 237? And Halloran's like, no, there's nothing uh, there. Yeah. Don't worry about it. And Danny's <laughs> no like, deal. you're scared uh, of room yeah. 237. He is, and he's like, mm, no, no I'm not. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> but does, don't yeah. go yeah. in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the greatest defense. But you got no business Yeah, in but there. don't ever go in there. And he's talking to a kid. If he's like, don't ever go We've here. We've talked about this before. Exactly. <laughs> the Danny's closet like, of mystery. I'm going to that fucking room. <laughs> obviously, obviously. So we get a title card that says a month later. At this point, everyone seems to have settled in nicely. Wendy's wheeling a food cart into their apartment to, I guess, share breakfast with Jack. 
and Danny's riding his big wheel through the halls. Now, this happens a few times in the film. The movement of the camera following him is so cool oh, as he yeah. goes down and whips through the hallways. I read And even the sound of the floor and then yes, the carpet and then the so, floor and then the yeah. carpet. Yes. I bet that would be fun though. Oh, oh absolutely. Hell yeah. <laughs> On a big wheel just going <laughs> through. Dude. It's every kid's dream. Yeah. Shit, I still want to do it. No. <laughs> You don't grow out. Yeah, right? uh, so basically, I read that this was one of the first films to use a steady cam mount, which is like a stabilizing tool for the camera. Incredibly, according to Wikipedia, the inventor of the steady cam, Garrett Brown, actually was on set to oh, shoot shit. some of these shots himself, including these as he's riding through the halls also around like as he rounds every corner my heart was kind of racing because i'm like oh shit what's he gonna see because you don't yeah you don't don't know know what's around the corner what's gonna happen it's like very suspenseful yeah and when he rounds the corner and nothing's there there's like a bit of relief but it's kind of short-lived because you're like oh shit here comes another corner yes (laughs) so back in the apartment wendy wakes up jack and she serves him breakfast in bed okay i have a question breakfast in bed to me is nice in theory but, but how the hell do you eat with morning breath? I wrote that in my notes. Did you really? Yes. I can't do it. I'll never understand people who do. I just don't get it. Oh, so, I don't give a shit. See, oh, I, yeah, I was like, I someone at this table is being real quiet. Uh, I I do understand that getting up and brushing your teeth, but I'm not going to lie. If I don't and I just get up and eat, then That's the first I, can do it, I can do it afterwards. I'll just brush my teeth after. I can't. I can't do it. And he's drinking juice. Yeah, that, when he did eggs. that, I was like, ew. <laughs> oh, no, he did it. But Jack um, kind of laments the fact that he hasn't gotten any ideas for his writing yet. But on the plus side, he says that they're, that he's feeling comfortable at the hotel, at the very least. And Wendy said she thought the place was kind of scary when she first got there. But Jack's like saying that he had kind of a, an experience beyond deja vu. Right. Yeah. And that he felt like he had been there before. Yeah. And then, so he says that, and then he makes sci-fi noises. So I'm like, is he joking, or is he just lightening the <laughs> I think mood? He's lightening the mood to because it's kind of eerie to what he said. Yeah, no, it is. Also, there's some downright poorly hidden like insanity in some of those lines that Jack Nicholson says. <laughs> poorly hidden. Yeah, because you're like, again, this guy's crazy yeah. in there. It's it's dormant. Yeah. So we get a shot of Jack's typewriter. But he's not sitting behind it. Instead, he's playing handball, which, okay. <laughs> I don't understand because it's like, oh, my God, you could do so much damage in this room. There's all these, like, paintings. Yeah, there there's is. framed pictures. Yeah. It's like, it's 1980. The Atari exists. If you have to, like, <laughs> if you have to do something, go play that or, you know. Um, I read that it was Jack Nicholson's idea to bring the ball in. Really? As something that Jack was doing to distract himself from work. And it took, I don't know, 20, 30 plus shots to of him throwing the ball. So I'd be like, God damn, I shouldn't have fucking said anything. (laughs) If this was going to be fun. Fuck this ball. Yeah. (laughs) Now do it again. God damn it. We're going to kill this guy after the... (laughs) So Wendy and Danny are exploring the hedge maze outside. The music is really eerie, and so is the sweeping camera movement that follows them through the maze. Yeah. Interestingly, it's behind them and in front of them, capturing where they've been and where they're going, just like The Shining. Oh, shit. Because it is the past and the future. I had that thought as I was watching it. I was like... That's really interesting. I was like, is that too meta? I'm going to say it. I'm going to down. Fucking say it. But yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. And... 
again, everything is intentional in a Kubrick film. Nothing ever happened on accident. Yeah. So Jack makes his way into a common area like the lobby, and there's a model of the hedge maze, and we get this insane bird's eye shot of the model, and it's almost like he can see Wendy and Danny in there walking around. It's almost like he's a puppeteer, like manipulating. Like that's what it made me think of, and that's kind of what is happening here because Uh they are like their fate is in his hand so to speak like he's the one who brought them here and so on that's very fair yeah i love that shot because it's a melding of that looked cool yeah Yeah, and you're like there's no way that they could do this at this time like you wouldn't think but here we are and well but then honestly (laughs) i don't know if you guys have ever seen 2001 a space odyssey no a long time ago dude it it looks like they went to space to film it. <laughs> I don't know how they did it. but Is that why people think that Kubrick was involved in the yes. fake moon landing? And we'll get, that, we'll get to that in a minute. So we get a new title card that says Tuesday. So that Tuesday, Wendy is preparing dinner for the family, and the news on the television warns of a snowstorm coming in. Danny, again, is riding around the halls. and badass big wheel. <laughs> yeah, and we get those amazing Steadicam shots. And we finally see the iconic pattern on the rug. Yep. There is something so interesting about this pattern. I don't know if it's just hindsight of what this movie is, you know, as far as its status in pop culture to why the pattern is so cool or if there's something else to it. Yeah. But just seeing it, you're like, damn, that's cool. We've arrived. Exactly. (laughs) And I don't know why. So it's still very uneasy especially with the music as he's riding down the hallway, like rounding those corners, he slows down as he passes room 237, and he's like, well, Halloran's ass is in here. Yeah. <laughs> <So> he, <laughs> he gets off uh, his bike. He like looks around. He's like checking to make sure the coast is clear, and he makes his way to the door. And so he tries the doorknob, but it doesn't open. And he gets back on his big wheel and he skedaddles the fuck out of it. Like faster than he's ever ridden his bike before. Uh, You see him. You see his feet. He's he's like, never mind. Too bad. I made a mistake. So Jack is finally typing. He's getting some work in. And we dolly into him sitting at a table with a typewriter. And at the edges of the frame, we see these old black and white photos of what kind of looks like events that may have been held at the hotel decades ago. We don't see what Jack is typing, but he's clicking away as Wendy walks in. She interrupts his flow and seems kind of annoyed by her questions. Annoyed. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he's 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 kind of being a dick, but it's not too bad just yet. Yet, yeah. She tells him about the weather, and he's like, "Well, what do you want me to do about it?" So he's just kind of like irritated. But she's very sweet to him, <laughs> despite... Wendy is, like, childishly gentle and innocent. Fair. And okay. Jack is not. No. no. <laughs> he's, he's like, a dick to her, and then she's like, well, I can bring you a sandwich later, and you're a like... A couple sandwiches. Yeah. It's like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is this... He just has to be a dick, and he gets two sandwiches. That's, that's reinforcement. That's bad. So... I'm I'm watching this and I'm like, man, it's only taken a month for him to start being a dick. Yeah. You got four more of these. (laughs) So they're talking and then this is when he kind of starts being a real asshole. He's like, look, new rule. Yeah. (laughs) If I'm in here, you're not in here. If I'm working, you don't come in. If I'm not Not working, (laughs) you don't come in. And he's like, now get the fuck out of here. Yeah. 
And she looks so sad. It's heartbreaking. It's fucking mean. It's heartbreaking. It's at this point where uh, you're like, okay, rough. he's abusive. Yeah, like that I'm was like, so fucking mean. Yeah. And it's a shame because there's no pushback. There's no arguing. No. She just takes, she just takes it, it and it. leaves. It's like fucking and sad. You're like, Damn. You're like, it wasn't even the booze. You're just an asshole. No. <laughs> so we get a title card that says Thursday. And on this Thursday, it's a full on snowstorm outside. And Wendy and Danny are running around just kind of having fun, you know. Yeah, in the snow. The entire hotel is covered in snow and it looks pretty cool. But <laughs> inside, Jack is staring out the window with full-on psycho peepers. He's looking crazy <laughs> as fuck. Like I'm like, it, dude, he's already. <laughs> You're gone. Yeah, it, it's like the lights are on, and but no one's home, or someone is home, and they're a fucking psychopath. <laughs> That's that's the face you have when your kid won't stop asking you questions. Is it just, <laughs> it's just uh, like Ian? Uh, just detached. Yeah, it's it, like, uh, I'm gonna freak out. <laughs> but you can't. Yes. No, he looks yes. he looks out of his mind. No, it's it's pretty bad. So we get a new title card that says Saturday. And on Saturday, Jack is putting in some more work on his writing. And Wendy's messing around with the radio in the other room. Or the other, I guess, the other part of the hotel. Right. And so she makes contact with the Forest Service, and she discovers that the phone lines are down. So she's kind of, you know, asking what's going on with that, and they say it's due to the storm. That, it's kind of sad to me, because she's, like, making conversation with this ranger. Yeah. clearly because she has no one what to else? talk to. I mean, you've got your son, but you can't have, com- you know, real conversations no, with, with, like, a seven-year-old, seven-year-old kid. But she's, like, so personable and sweet and friendly. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is one of the worst we've ever had. Yeah, like, and he's like, well, we got... He doesn't I'm say it, but work. he's like, we got to keep this line <laughs> <Yeah>. clear. <laughs> and she's it like, just, oh, okay. It just struck me as sad. No, it's very sad. Um, while this is going on, Danny's going for another ride around the halls. And finally, these rides pay off. Yeah. He rounds the corner and he stops dead in his tracks when he sees the twins from earlier standing at the end of the hall. They say the iconic line, come play play with with us, us, Danny, Danny. forever and ever and ever. And as they speak, we get these cuts, these shots of the twins lying dead in the hallway covered in blood. And so you realize, at least I started to realize, I'm like, I think these might be Grady's daughters. But I was a little confused because they're played by twins. Yeah. But when Ullman told yes. Jack about the family, yeah, he the said, ages don't exactly. He said that they're eight, eight and, and one was ten. Yeah. And so it's like you're starting to get these weird like inconsistencies. But like, you know how word travels down. True. And like the truth is they were twins. And then maybe in some versions, they're boys. Yeah, and maybe, they, you know, yeah, so, maybe I mean, like, there was like a realistic element to that. But at the same time, you have to wonder, like, was that a mistake <laughs> or like, fair. Well, they're like, they're like, well, it was Grady, his wife, their cat, and their dog, Purple Monkey Dishwasher. Yes. <laughs> yeah. so, no, because they're clearly twins. Like, they're obviously yeah, twins. Yeah, they are. Tell. And so Danny covers his eyes, and when he opens them, the twins are gone. And he's got a look on his face like, I got to stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> no more. Like, Holy shit. So he tells Tony that he's scared, and Tony reminds him, he's like, look. Remember what Halloran said? Stuff's not real. It's kind of like pictures in a book. Yeah. You know, it's like the history of this place, but it's not going to... It can't uh, touch you. It can't touch you. It can't affect you. So... (laughs) It doesn't matter. (laughs) 
Yeah, we, I don't want to see that. No, right I don't on. care. Real or not. <laughs> yeah. It's like if I had a nightmare. I still don't want yeah, to. I know no, that's not real. Yeah. I don't need to see that shit. I'm still scared. Yeah. So we get a new title card that says Monday. On Monday, Wendy and Danny are hanging out watching television. Danny asks if he can go to their bedroom in the... Oh, no, the apartment. If yeah, because he he's got his own little room. Yeah, he's got his fire truck toys that he really right. wants to play with. So she warns him. She's like, look, your father's sleeping up there. Do not make any That's noise. Re- and this is another... It's just so sad because, again, he stopped drinking and when he was an asshole to her earlier, she looked sad, but she didn't look surprised. No. And he wants to go get his toys. And she's like, no. And he's like, please, I won't make a sound. And she's like, no. And he's like, I really, she's like, really don't make a sound. Like It's like it's, she knows what will happen yeah, if he does. Yeah, please don't make a sound. It's pretty upsetting. He's like such an oppressive figure in this family already. Mm-hmm. And we get it through little just little like interactions like this it's it's just it makes it that much sadder and that it's only going to get worse no absolutely so danny promises he won't make a sound he's a boy of his word because when he gets in there he's in and out like a demon's whisper (laughs) yeah he's quiet he is very quiet but when he goes in he sees that jack is awake and he's sitting on the side of the bed and he already looks rough. Yeah, he looks bad. It's real bad, but he sits Danny on his lap and they kind of chat a bit, checking in on each other. You know, like how how have you been in the hotel, etc. Kind of just getting feeling out, you know. The music's really creepy during this part. I have yeah. the music is excellent written it's, it's right fantastic. here. Yeah. You wouldn't, you know, when you hear that you're like, "Oh, it's just a father and a son talking about their new surroundings and how they're settling in." But you're like, there's these undertones and the music brings them out. And oh, it's yeah. making you feel like is Danny in danger right now? Yeah, just sitting on his father's sitting lap. Sitting with his dad. Like it's unnerving. It's it's nuts. Oddly, Jack says that he loves the hotel. <laughs> he loves it and he asks Danny if he does and he's like bitch I guess yeah <laughs> like what do you want me to he's say he's not married to it but then Jack goes I wish we could stay here forever and ever and ever echoing the words of the twins yeah and that should have been a massive red flag yeah. for Danny and it kind of is because he responds he's like you'd never hurt us right <laughs> and Jack goes what do, what do you, you mean? mean? <laughs> Not a good denial. Not a good... Can you please say no? Well, define yeah. her. Yeah. <laughs> like physically, emotionally. Yeah. Uh, and then he's like, did your mom say I would? Yeah. Immediately. But then he reassures him. He's like, I'd never do anything to hurt you. But he says it in his most, I'm totally going to hurt you later <laughs> yeah. tone. So it's 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 hard, right? And he's he, he really looks like a madman. At this point, it's not even funny anymore. No. So we get a title card that says Wednesday. On Wednesday, Danny's playing with his toy cars on that awesomely patterned rug, mm-hmm. and a tennis ball slowly rolls toward him. We get a wide shot of the adjacent hallway, and it's completely empty. Yeah. Where did it come from? Yes. Now, pausing just for a second, I'm going to bring up what we had talked about a second ago. Danny is wearing a sweater that has the Apollo 11 spacecraft on it. A lot of people... Mostly because, like we said, of those amazing effects in 2001 A Space Odyssey, believe that Stanley Kubrick helped fake the moon landing. And they also think that Danny's wearing the sweater in this scene because Kubrick is admitting and apologizing and saying, yeah, Beretta did that but shit. He's like, haha. Yeah. And now, to me, this makes no sense because no. I'm sorry, but it, if someone's going to fake 
something as massive as the moon landing, they're not going to leave little breadcrumbs no. yeah, I, <laughs> for uh, conspiracy theorists to find. They're just going to be like, whoo, got away with that yeah, shit no. and <laughs> never talk about it again. And move on. Exactly. So it makes no sense. And I read Kubrick himself is like, no, yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Long story short, I'm not really here for all these conspiracy theories. Yeah. I love fan theories. Yeah, me too. But the conspiracy theories, yeah. I just don't think there's any merit to them. Especially when, well, I guess they would be like, well, of course Kubrick would say no because yeah. he's vacant. It's like, let's <laughs> shut up. He got away with it. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, Danny's walking down the hall and he sees the door to room 237 is open and the key's in it and we see him walk in. Yeah. It's like, Daddy, no! It's like, what yeah. did you... Dude, Halloran told you. <laughs> there was only one room he exactly. said to stay out of. Of all the rooms, Danny. So we see Wendy in the boiler room checking the equipment, and it's like, wasn't this Jack's job? That's what I, I thought, I too. wrote down I that did, Wendy yeah. is the caretaker. Like, what is he doing? Yeah, he's she, just... That's he's throwing exactly a ball against the wall. Really? So she's doing everything he exactly. was supposed to do. He's doing his and job. And she's, like, writing it down like she's a safety inspector. Well, <laughs> like, what, first of all, what are you writing down? Yeah. The boiler well, is still there? In the book, the boiler had to be vented. Okay. Like, it couldn't get to a certain level. Throughout the winter, Jack... Jack was right. supposed to go down there and vent the boiler. Uh-huh. So I think that's like a a nod to it maybe, but yeah, yeah. no, that is Jack's job. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, he's he's Jack is slacking. <laughs> but she hears Jack screaming, so she runs to him. He's fallen asleep at his typewriter. From the sounds, I can't tell if he's having a horrible dream or an amazing <laughs> dream, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but <laughs> It's a lot of sound. Yeah, either way, she wakes him up and he falls to the floor and we find out that he had a horrible nightmare. He looks shaken, but he tells her that he dreams that he killed her and Danny, Grady style. We out. We're, that's it. All right, we're done. We are you done. You know the history. Exactly. You know, like we are oh, fucking yeah. gone. There's no reason at we're, this point. We're in the snow cat is parked. Out front? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then that's where we're Goodbye. headed. Yeah. I also have these dreams, but my family has a pizza and there's no <laughs> killing. I'm just eating it. <laughs> and those are happy sounds. Yeah, that's, that's... <laughs> but I mean, like you said, if if I told you that, wouldn't you be like, we're fucking Let's gone. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's it. After everything. Right. Yeah. And the, the thing is, is that it's about to get worse. <sighs> So Danny walks in and he looks beat the fuck up. His shirt's all ripped. He's got yeah. marks on his neck and like finger marks. Yeah. So Wendy asks him what happened, but he won't answer. Oddly, she immediately assumes that Jack did it. Pro- well, probably because he's, he's looking hurt, insane. And he's hurt no, him before. And he has a history. Now, he's not saying anything. He's not <laughs> denying it. He well, they leave and she's like, How could you? And yeah. all that. And they leave and he's just like no. I didn't do yeah. it. Yeah, just, <laughs> it's a little late for that, dog. Like, they're gone. Yeah. So who are you denying it to? Anyway, Jack. And Danny's sucking his thumb. He is. He's so like reverted. So he's like regressed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of sad. Yeah. Jack makes his way down to the gold room, and he turns on the lights. He's kind of monologuing to himself about how he'd give his soul for a drink. And Hi. S- yeah, yeah. Suddenly, a bartender named Lloyd is there. He has a drink and he's complaining about his problems to the bartender. Oddly, he does not seem weirded out at all that this bartender is here. He's acting like he knows him. He is. He's like, I always liked you, Lloyd. It's like, always? What are you talking about? What? So (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> he basically says, he's like, I would never hurt Danny. And he's like, I never did. Well, he was like, I'd never touch a hair on his little head. Yeah, no, it's yeah, so... I love the son of a bitch or whatever. I can't remember exactly <laughs> he, what he says. He's 500% Jack Nicholson. Oh, yeah, here. no, there's no Jack Torrance. This is all Jack Nicholson. <laughs> it was an accidental manipulation. Exactly. Yeah. Like a muscle. Like, it's just like very... Jack Nicholson? Yeah. <laughs> he's pissed that Wendy will never let him live it down what had happened three years earlier when he dislocated Danny's shoulder. Um, and that's another thing that I thought was like, huh? Because this happened three years ago, but he hasn't had a drink in five months. Again, another inconsistency. So, right. And didn't she say mean... earlier that it happened five months ago? When, when oh, oh she didn't say when it happened. She just said, and he hasn't had a drink in five months. So oh, you okay, think... Is it, has yeah. it been off and on? Because when, when you, you think, hear... okay, he's like, I'm never drinking again. And right. then he never drank again. But no. But now it's yeah. like, oh, well, then off and on, he picked it back up and put it back down. Yeah. And, so and this now is just... he's five months strong. Exactly. So... Like I said, Nicholson plays insane very well. Yeah. Very I think he has well. to go very far. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Wendy comes in crying and says there's a crazy woman in room 237 who tried to strangle Danny. She says Danny told her, and Jack's like, are you out of your fucking mind? But then he decides he's going to go, go check, check it, it out. out. We then see Halloran lying in bed in a room far away. You learn later he's in Florida. Can we talk about his art? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> He's got a like a nude painting of a woman. Two. Love it. Two. There's one on yeah. top of this TV <laughs> and one behind it. him. Love it. It's a, it's an interesting aesthetic. They're both topless, gorgeous, afroed black women. It's yeah, amazing. He, he, he knows what he and likes. It's the it's only. Fantastic. Yeah, it's the yep. only thing on his walls. <laughs> no, it is. He's like, that's all I needed here. Like, okay, Halloran. Yeah. So he's watching television and his heart starts beating really loudly. And he's like staring into nothing, but the shot kind of zooms in on him and it's very unsettling. Yeah. And he also has a, a ring around his eyes. Yeah. It's interesting. Our granny has that ring. That's true. <laughs> we have very minor versions yeah. of that ring, but nothing to write home about. <laughs> so he sees room 237. He sees Danny foaming at the mouth. And then we see a POV shot of Jack actually going into the bathroom of room 237. Yeah. Are we to take this to mean that Halloran is seeing this as well? Well, the way that it looks, it looks like he's kind of seeing what happened to Danny at first. That's how I interpret it. That's kind of, yeah. But like then, Danny's sending him, I, I went in there. Yeah. But then the camera like kind of turns around and it's Jack. Yeah. So I don't know if that was just kind of a transition. Yeah. I wasn't sure. Yeah, it's it's Jack. But as he goes in, he's looking and there's a curtain on the bathtub and there's <laughs> but there's clearly a woman there behind the curtain. So she pulls back the curtain, she's young and she's naked. So <laughs> the funny thing to me is that Instead of being like, oh, shit, nobody's you, supposed to be here. Okay, instead of being like, you fucking attacked my son. Right. Jack starts he's to like, smile. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and again, yeah, you're like, this. look, they said a woman in the, in the room tried to murder your son. You're a woman in exactly. the room. Exactly. That's all. That's the criteria. You, and he's like, oh, she, yeah. She fits the description. <laughs> so she gets out of the tub. She... <laughs> Day bow bow. <laughs> she walks up to him and they start making out like immediately. Yeah. Again, it's like, like what? Bro. Come on, <laughs> There's dude. So many questions here. Yeah. So Jack is pretty into it, but when he pulls back, 
the young woman has turned into an old woman with like leprosy? Uh, something. She's got she some. Looks, yeah, she looks like she's rotting. Like skin condition. Yeah, that's what right? it looks like. And so Jack pulls back and she's just cackling at she's him. She's very tickled. She's like, dude, you made out with a gross <laughs> yeah. old woman. That's fucking gross, dude. <laughs> so we get, we also, we also get this shot of her dead floating in the bathtub. Yeah. Jack's like, oh shit, don't don't tell nobody about that. Yeah. <laughs> but he backs out of the room and he locks the door and he like skulks away in a very <laughs> odd motion. But then I guess I'd be pretty weirded out too. Yes. Yeah. And and not to kind of change what we're talking about, but like you're saying with the set, that yeah. room is badass. No, like that, yeah. that bathroom. Yeah. I remember when we were watching it, I was telling you, I was like, that bathroom. Yes. That bathroom is Dude, badass. it's insane. I don't know how they did so well. No, I didn't know that until you told me because it no, does not show. It, yeah, no, I that doesn't look that like, this was the real yeah. deal. Interesting. Another interesting note. Again, I've never read the novel, but in the novel, I do know that room 237 is room 217. Yeah. Now, whenever they made the movie, the hotel in Oregon that they filmed the exterior shots of, they told Kubrick, hey, we have a room 217 in the hotel. If you make it, (laughs) yeah, if you make the movie with room 217, nobody's going to want to stay in that room. Can you change it? So Kubrick obliged and changed it to room 237 for the film. So Halloran tries to call the hotel, but the phones are down, as we know. And we get a shot of Wendy crying in their apartment as Jack comes in. She's like, did you find anything? And he's like, nope, no uh, naked old women. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I didn't make out with anybody. Nobody. Nothing happened. There was nothing in there, all right? But okay, if I were Wendy, I think I would be like, then she's loose in the hotel. No, then yeah. she left. The, why the fuck would she stay in there? Well, uh, here, okay, this is where it gets really bad <laughs> to me because she's asking him questions about what happened to Danny then if there was no woman there. And Jack's like, well, he probably did it to himself. Yeah. yeah. Which it makes perfect sense. <laughs> but I think that puts the suspicion back on him. Oh, yeah. I'd be yeah. like, well, if it wasn't an old, a woman, then it was you. He didn't do that to his Dressed own Dressed as neck. a woman. <laughs> Like, because Danny is so certain, certain enough that it convinced Wendy that this is what happened. Yeah. Even though they know nobody's supposed to be in the hotel. She's like, there's a woman there. Then there's not a woman there. So it's you. Yeah. It's so, I don't know. But I just thought that it was odd that he was like, there was no woman in there. And they're like, well, I guess there was no woman. Like, she can leave. (laughs) And so. Yeah. (laughs) I guess that's a lie. Yeah. Of course, Wendy's like, we should leave the hotel. And Jack lays into her. He's basically telling her, you know, well, what the fuck am I going to do if we just go back? I'm betraying my responsibilities here. Am I going to work at a car wash? Like, he goes off on her. Well, to the extent that she's fucked up his whole life. That, that's right. You're not going to fuck this up, too. Yeah, that's pretty God, like horrible. <laughs> And abuse. Abusive. Yeah, no. And I got to say, fuck what up your uh, opportunity to watch a hotel yeah. for five months. <laughs> and the, I think the other thing is what opportunity does, does this open up for him? Is he is he referring to his writing? The fact oh, that he has the time I to think, do this now? I think so. OK, that makes more sense. Well, meanwhile, Danny's having visions in his room and he sees red rum written on a door. And then he sees the blood that's pouring out of the elevator again. Now, 
the faces that Danny's making while he's having these visions are pretty haunting. Yeah. And oddly, I didn't remember them whenever, before I had watched it again. I don't know what it was, but it hit me different this time. And I was like, oh, shit, that kid's going through it. (laughs) (laughs) But the next scene, Jack's making his way downtown. And by that, I mean, (laughs) he's going back to the gold room. What else is he going to do? Exactly. There's nothing to do here. But he's wrecking shop along the way. He's like throwing shit off Mm -hmm. of uh, shelves and stuff. But he hears singing as he's getting closer to the gold room. Then he sees balloons and confetti on the floor. And it's like, how the fuck? Yeah. Nobody's supposed to be here. So we then see Halloran again. He's making contact with the Forest Service this time. He called them instead of trying the hotel again. They said that they'll check in on the Torrances at the Overlook. And that if he'll give them a call back later, they'll kind of give him an an update. So Jack makes his way into the gold room. And there's a massive party going on. Yeah. Hundreds of people, a live band, and like an black orchestra, tie. black tie. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's the real deal. He's greeted on his way in, and he doesn't seem bothered or alarmed by anything that's happening. No, he they're just like, goes right into it. They're like, "Welcome, Mr. Torrance," and he's like, "Thank you." What up? <laughs> yeah, it's insane. <laughs> the party goers do look like it's like the swinging twenties. Yeah, you know, how cool would that be though? Oh yeah, that'd be <laughs> like cool. no, like really, even it's if like, they I'm were home. ghosts, it's like fuck, I can no, have a drink yeah. real quick and get out. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> So Jack sits down at the bar. He orders another drink from Lloyd and offers to pay him for it. But Lloyd's like, oh, your money's no good here. Orders from the house. Again, red flag. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, Jack sees it. It's a, a red flag. And he's like, he says, what? I don't accept drinks if when I, I don't know, know who's yeah. buying them. them. Yeah. And so Lloyd's like, that doesn't concern you right now. And Jack's like, okay. All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it bothered him so much earlier. But Immediately. Now it's like, yeah, whatever. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> so. Okay, cool. Jack's walking around and a waiter accidentally spills his tray of drinks on him. And so he offers to help clean him up in the bathroom. That's funny because I told her to. I made her rewind it. He hmm. tells him, he's like, hey, you got a little bit of that on yourself, Jeeves. And he pats his no, back yes. with the shit his, on his yeah. sleeve. The butler did not have anything. And he's like just wiping it on him. He's an asshole. He's a dick to everyone. I also, I noticed so there's funny. a couple by the bathroom. Did uh-huh. you see them? No. It's just a couple talking, but as they walk by, they completely freeze and they do not move at all. Really? Until they go into the bathroom and then they start moving like they're talking and everything. It's like, Dude, eerie. Yeah, I did not I, catch that. I didn't notice that until they, she I had to it rewind out. it because yeah. I was like, did that really? They completely freeze. Like, I'm going to have to go back and check that it's out. It's eerie looking That's and it's insane. just for while they're walking past them. Ooh. It's creepy. Well, <laughs> they make their way into the bathroom, and the bathroom is incredible looking. It's it's red and white. Again, the set design is impeccable in yeah. this movie. No, yeah. And also, I don't know if it was the contrast of the red and white, but as beautiful as it was, it was also kind of horrifying in there. Yeah. And the whole situation just like kind of paints it. Yeah, it's, it fits. Uh, it's unnerving. Yeah. yeah. So the waiter introduces himself as Delbert Grady. Jack is kind of starting to think something's off because Charles Grady, the caretaker from this in 1970 who murdered his family, and Jack's like, didn't you used to be the caretaker? And Grady's like, nah. Jack's like, are you married? Grady's like, well, yeah, I have a wife and two daughters. 
he says that they're around and Jack's like, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's not uh, letting me go. <laughs> yeah. I recognize you from the papers. He's like, you were the caretaker. You murdered your whole family and then you blew your brains out. Grady's like, I don't remember I don't that. Remember, <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> any of that. Again, he, does, really, he does say a that. really odd answer. Instead of just being like, no, what are you, you must about? be thinking of yeah, someone else. Or, me. You know, Pretty so, sure I would have remembered that. <laughs> Grady, the, this line has always haunted me. Grady's like, you're the caretaker. You've always been the caretaker. And I've always been here. Gives me chills telling it to you no, it's, again. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. So Grady kind of spills the tea about Danny using the Shining to get outside help from Halloran. And then he calls Halloran the N-word. And then There's Jack a few Nicholson casual says the N-word. N-words here. It's like, mm, okay. I don't care for this. I don't think that's right. <laughs> but Grady's like, your family needs a talking to. And he says that back in the past, his daughters actually tried to burn down the hotel, but he corrected them. <laughs> And when his wife tried to stop him, he corrected her too. We all know what that means. And then, but then at the same time, like, I thought your ass didn't remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and suddenly <laughs> you're like, well, which yeah. one is it? And were you or were you not the caretaker? <laughs> I do like that he said it that way instead of just saying, so I killed them. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. no, it's way yeah. scarier. Corrected yeah. is so eerie. Yeah. So we then see Wendy. She's trying to formulate a plan in order to get her and Danny out of the hotel. And then we hear Danny chanting red rum in his room. And she's like, you're having a bad dream. (laughs) But his eyes are wide open. Yeah. (laughs) So no, I don't think so. But he looks at her and he answers as Tony and says, Danny's not here, Mrs. Torrance. You can stay here, too. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Well, I guess I'm leaving the hotel. Stay with your dad. I'll be back. (laughs) So Jack's walking through the hotel. And he hears the Forest Service people trying to get into contact with him over the radio, just like they promised Halloran that they would. Yeah. So he sabotages the radio. Halloran calls back and he's like, have you heard anything? And the Forest Service is like, they didn't answer, but we'll try again. Yeah. Now we get a title card that says 8 a.m. And so I guess the rest of the movie is going to take place over one day. We see Halloran. I guess he got tired of relying on the Forest Service for these check-ins. And he's on a plane. He's a real one, man. For real. He he looks after his shine friends. (laughs) uh, He's headed back to the Overlook from Florida. And we get a shot of Jack back at the hotel. And he's typing away on his typewriter again, getting some more work done. Halloran finally arrives in Colorado. And he calls a friend of his named Larry. And he's asking how the weather is on the way to the Overlook. And it's snowy as shit. In the back of that scene, too, there's a guy. There's like one of those girly calendars on the wall. And he's lifted up the months and is just ogling it. Like, <laughs> Dude, that's not fair. You got to wait, no. till, you gotta wait yeah. till December. You can't just go forward. That's not how calendars work. It just work. made me laugh because it's not like it's just happening in the back. And Larry's like, oh, that's cool. Right? <laughs> That guy, Larry, I guess his friend, the one he's calling that's running the car plays. Uh He's in the Rocky movies. He's he's Apollo Creed's trainer. Then after Apollo Creed dies, he goes to Rocky's corner and he helps Rocky. Seriously? Yeah. (laughs) I was like, what the hell? Because I was watching and I was like, I know that guy from somewhere. I was like, where do I know him from? So I looked it up. And I was like, it is him. I was like, he's in the Rocky movies. That's random. Dude, yeah. and he's you know in what? this movie Actually, for two seconds. It's kind yeah. of crazy that you say that because 
the Steadicam inventor, the operator right. guy, he was working on The Shining at the same time he was working on Rocky Two. Oh, oh wow! So, so he was okay, flying okay. to England and back to the states to film all these different scenes and stuff. And so that's interesting. Yeah. What if they were working? Yeah, like, and, and he's they and, shared a ride. Yeah, <laughs> and he was just in this movie for that small part. No, yeah, very small but part. I did. I recognized him, and I was like, man, I know that guy from somewhere. And you know, when you see it, and you're like, man, it's gonna kill me if I don't look it up or if yeah. I don't. And I was like, it's got to be him. And I looked, and it was. And I was like, oh, right. that's crazy. I read uh, on IMDb about that actor. Apparently, he liked to play chess. Yes, I don't know if you guys I, saw I, this, yeah. but. He arrived on set, and Stanley Kubrick was an avid chess player. And so Kubrick, they were already running behind on schedule for the film. Kubrick shut down the set for a whole day so he could play chess with this guy. Well, I, I mean, you like what you no like. How did no one on this set murder him? <laughs> no, know. I know. They show up. They're like, all right. They're like, no, we're playing chess today. He's right. like, are you fucking kidding me? It's like, go, I will go burn reload this the elevator with blood. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it takes what? nine days. You get on it. It right. doesn't look like blood. Get yeah. out of here. Come on. Good Lord. So Halloran says that he's going to need a snow cat in order to get up to the overlook. And I don't mean a like a white leopard. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, I, I've never heard the word, the phrase snowcat more in my entire life than watching no, this movie. No, they say it about 800 times they in do. this movie. So, Wendy's watching cartoons with Danny, and she tells him that she's going to go check on Jack. The cartoon that they're watching, they're uh-huh. saying in it, Roadrunner, if he catches you, you're through. But it's like a song. It's like, but I'm like, it was like real, I'm like, this is weirdly ominous for the situation i never even thought about that i, was I didn't just notice laughing it yeah, because i didn't either yeah the song was, like, oh. was just kind of funny yeah <laughs> the beeps didn't fit can i say yeah. that they just didn't fit i don't know why they kept adding those in anyway so she tells him that she's gonna go check on jack and tony answers so i guess danny's still missing it right she goes into the colorado room with a bat with a bat i She's ready She's, for yeah, a I confrontation. I thought that was very, very interesting. She, kn- she, I, she knows it's that this almost, isn't going to go well. Yeah. So she goes in very cautiously with that bat. She can't find Jack, but she goes over to his typewriter and she looks at what he's been writing all this time. In the ream of the typewriter, repeated over and over on the page, it says, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Sometimes with misspellings, sometimes with extra letters. But that's all he's but written this whole time. But it's that phrase over and over again. Then she goes to the stack of papers of his work that he's done previously, and it's just the same phrase over and over again in different formats. So for months, this is all he's been typing. It's definitely not the next great American novel. Let's just, no. Let's just put it that way. And I read that Kubrick's secretary, that whole box that was full of those papers, she literally typed that whole box full of papers that is nuts yeah she it said it took her months to as on top of whatever other crazy shit he was having her do that's interesting i read rumors there were rumors that kubrick had done it himself but people were like no he didn't of course he didn't yeah he was too busy (laughs) playing chess doing that shit yeah Interesting. No, it was the secretary. I read on IMDb that this is the attention to detail that I'm talking about with Stanley Kubrick. He didn't make Jack Nicholson actually type that out, obviously. But during those scenes, he would have somebody type the phrase for real. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. So that's the real sound? Well, yes, because he heard that people could tell the difference between oh, the sounds of okay. each key. 
And so he got them to do that so that even if somebody had that keen ear, they'd be like, no, that's A-L-L. Oh, That's actually pretty cool, though. Isn't it? For all the crazy shit that he does, that one's actually, yeah. So Wendy is beside herself. That's horrifying. Jack comes back. The way that he re-enters the, the scene, he's like a shadow in the corner of the frame watching her, and then he finally makes his presence known, and he's like, how do you like it? <laughs> and it's like, what do you, th- what do you yeah. think you've written? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or are you just being... An asshole. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. She says she wants to talk, but she can't remember what about, and I'm pretty sure I would have lost my train of thought, too. Yeah. So he slowly starts advancing on her, and says they should talk about what should be done with Danny. Now, Danny's still in the room having more visions. Yeah. Right? I feel like the music and the visuals, right, and the effect, when Danny's having these visions of the blood, the screen is full red now. It's not like it was before where the blood is just rushing towards the screen, normal colors. The screen's red. The music is very eerie, and there's an effect on Jack's voice and I feel like all these things put together might have had an influence on Creepshow. Ha. Huh. That moment feels like Creepshow. That's funny because Ari, our daughter, didn't watch the whole thing, but she was coming in and out. And when she came in one time, she said that the movie felt like Creepshow. That, yeah. And she asked if it was a Creepshow movie. And oh, I was like, no, it was just, yeah. That. I go, yeah, no, it was just made in the that. 80s. But did you guys catch that as well? Yeah. Yourself? Well, I yeah. mean, yeah. I didn't think about that moment, though, but you're right. Like, it's like, just, yeah. his voice sounded like all the monsters the, in the all movies, the, which all had the same voice. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But Wendy's like, maybe we should take Danny to a doctor. And he's mocking. <laughs> He's mocking. Think the, we should take him to a doctor. Yeah, she goes. Yeah. She goes. Yeah. <laughs> she goes wrote, as soon as possible, and he goes as soon as possible. <laughs> and it's like it's it's it would be comical if it wasn't if it so was fucking like, horrifying. <laughs> but it's so unsettling. But every time I'm like, God I was like, dude, damn, he dude. does not care. He does. He never. If he's never back on her good side, he does not give a shit at all. So. <laughs> He's laying into her. <laughs> That's literally the one I wrote down. He's like, he's laying into her. He's like, don't you realize I signed a contract with this hotel? If I'm shirking my duties and my responsibilities, and he's just going on and on and on. And she starts brandishing the bat threateningly. Like, she's telling him to stay away. She's saying she just wants to go back to the room. Well, she's just backing up and backing right. up. And so she starts walking backwards up the stairs, and he's trying to grab the bat from her. And she's like, don't hurt me. And he goes, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. I'm going to bash your brains right the fuck in. And it's we like, all want to bash brains. <laughs> but it's like, okay, as long as it, you're not going to hurt yeah. it. <laughs> Cool. So we're cool, yeah. Brains thing. Um, I'll sign me up for the brains thing. So he tells her over and over to give him the bat, and she gives it to him. She does because she. Yeah. Hit, well, it makes me laugh every time because she hits his hand first, and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> like is that what that bat can do? God damn! I wouldn't. Have... Never mind. No, I don't want it anymore. So she hits him in the head, and he takes like a pratfall down, down the, the stairs, stairs. Yeah. so she takes him she drags him to the dry storage and locks him inside there's this great low angle shot yes. underneath jack he's got his head on the door and he's begging her to let him out 
there's a small moment of sincerity, but he looks even crazier from this when angle. When he's like, I yeah. think you hurt my head real bad. Yeah. But he looks fucking, it's like, do not open no, that door. You're going to get, he's going to no, hurt you. Yeah. He's going to bash those brains in if you open the door. So she says she's going to take Danny down to the sidewinder and bring him to a doc and no, bring back a doctor yeah. for Jack because yeah. he's obviously lost it, you know, and then that could be because she still loves him and she's like, he can check on your head because I fucking hit you. With I a hurt bat, you. Yeah. You know, so this is very eerie. Jack's like, well, you've got a big surprise coming. Well, she starts leaving and he's like, hey, Wendy. And she's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true. Why would you? Yes. Yeah. What, what, yes, sir. What do you have to say? But yeah, he has he has no good news to report. No, he says, <laughs> you're not going anywhere. He tells her, he's like, why, why don't you go check on the snowcat? Why, why don't you go check on the radio? <laughs> and so she goes and checks on both, and he's sabotaged the fuck out of them, and he's just laughing his ass off yeah. in there. So we see a new title card that says 4 p.m. Jack wakes up to knocking on the door and it's grating. <laughs> but next to him, there's snacks. <laughs> yeah. There's open snacks. Well, if that stuff happened at 8 a.m., he's been in there for, for hours, dude. It just made me laugh that he's in there fuming. He eats some chips and then and he, he lays down. Out, he he's like, maybe I'll get have the energy to kill my family once I... So it's Grady at the door and he's a little pissed. He's like, dude... I thought we had a deal. I, I told you to <laughs> waste your family and you're taking a nap in the dry store. <laughs> taking a nap with all these snacks, man. He's like, hammies are drying up by the second. Get to work. <laughs> so he promises Grady that he'll do it. He's like, just give me another yeah. chance. It's very eerie because Grady says, I and the others have our doubts. Yeah. It's like, who are the others? What are you talking about? The hundreds of people at the party? Like, who? So Jack is like, you know, give me one more chance. He gives his word, and then the door just unlocks on its own. So if like there's any doubt that you think that this is just happening in his head, no, this place is yeah, legitimately no. physically, haunted. yeah. So we see a long shot of the snowcat making its way up the snow-covered pathway. This time it's Halloran inside of it. He's finally making his way to the overlook. So we see Danny pacing around Wendy's bedroom, saying red rum over and over again in Tony's voice. Uh, he's holding a knife, and, and he looks like he's advancing on Wendy, and it's like, you about to waste your mom? Yeah. <laughs> but he walks away from Wendy, and he goes over to the mirror, and he finds some lipstick. Which is open and, and ready the to go. lipstick is rolled up. Yeah. He's yeah. like, hmm. who, who got that ready for you? Yeah. Who, who primed this <laughs> lipstick for you? So he uses it to write red rum on the bathroom door. Some letters are backwards, some are not. But his chanting gets louder and louder and louder. And Wendy finally wakes up. She hugs him. And then she looks in the mirror. And it does a really quick zoom to where you see red rum is actually murder backwards yeah. now this made me laugh a little bit because they play it like it's this giant reveal but we all knew what was going yeah <laughs> we all knew what was going on right but it's a really cool shot and the way that it's written that some of them are correct and some of them are backwards it's just fucking it's so good no it's 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 iconic again, yes again take a shot don't don't, don't, don't do take it. a shot, don't <laughs> take a shot. <laughs> so before they even have a second to think Jack has an axe and he's just chopping at the door and he's almost broken all the way through. So Wendy goes into the bathroom. She pops open the window. 
well, she goes in, she locks the door, obviously. Yeah. Pops open the window and she pushes Danny outside to safety. He slides down a mountain of snow. I don't know why this shot is so cool to me. Yeah. I don't know why I love it so much. And I'm sure it was it would honestly be really fun for Danny if his dad wasn't about to kill <laughs> his entire family. Like, Danny, shut up. <laughs> I do like too the camera the way it follows every swing. Dude, yes. That so, looks so badass. I found something interesting about that because like like you're saying he goes in and he's about to uh, get into the bathroom and he's for some reason chanting like he's doing like the three little pigs nursery yeah. rhyme but in yeah. this one hey that's weird because in the cartoon he's kind of like Wiley e. Coyote and now he's mm. the wolf in the three little pigs it's kind of like bastardizing all these children's yeah classics. I never thought of that but like you said he starts he goes to ask that door a question <laughs> He does. With, and the funny thing is, I read that Stanley Kubrick was the one operating the camera for those axe shots. As it was happening, I was like, damn, this is fluid. Yeah. It's yeah. following the axe perfectly yeah. back and into the door, back and into the door. I also read Shelley Duvall said that it took days to film this scene, just this scene of him getting into the bathroom door, and they went through 60 doors. Yeah, that they had to build new doors because Jack Nicholson was a volunteer firefighter and he tore up the first like it was nothing. kind of door too easy. Yeah, <laughs> like it was tissue paper. I also feel like this is a good place to talk about Shelley Duvall's treatment during this film. Yeah, because this is kind of when she's reached her peak. Uh, you get that iconic shot of her screaming and holding the knife as the axe is chopping through the door. And looking like delirious like, yes. and exhausted and horrified. So from what I've read, Kubrick basically, I don't want to say poisoned the staff against yeah. her, but I don't know how else but to put it. He, yeah. He basically was like, I want you to have zero sympathy for Shelley Duvall. Yeah. If Jesus she comes to Christ. you, I don't want you to give a shit. I don't want you to give her any help. I don't want you to even talk to her. And so she's kind of miserable throughout filming. Right. And, and isolated. Exactly. And But then again, you are it's the same thing we talked about on episode three. With The Exorcist. When we talked about The Exorcist. These performances that these directors are getting out of people by doing these horrible things are amazing performances, but at what cost? Yeah. Yeah, I I read a thing too about Jack Nicholson. They said that he only fed him cheese sandwiches for two weeks, and Jack Nicholson hates cheese sandwiches. And he gave it to him to make him more like <laughs> irritated on Dude, set. It's such and... a small like you wouldn't even think he's to like, do I'm that. He's like fucking yeah. hungry. That's yeah. <laughs> oh, you hate these? That's Here, all you can. That's eat. all you yeah, eat. That's it. It's like torture but i, I but shelly duvall got it worse than oh, anybody, no, than anybody. I, that's true but like then, her hair was literally falling out i will say two things one shelly duvall afterwards you know she said of course that that stuff happened but she also commended kubrick and said you know basically the performance that she that he got out of her you know also jack nicholson had said that he believes shelly duvall's performance in the shining is Possibly the best performance ever done by an actress. Because, now, but, but she's again, not acting. She's miserable. And <laughs> yeah. also, and I will say this: I don't understand. Whenever The Shining was first released, it was released to mixed critical reviews. And Shelley Duvall and Stanley Kubrick were both nominated for a Razzie Award <gasps> for The Shining. Isn't that a bad award? Yeah, yeah that's the worst like movie. The opposite of the Oscars. Oh. 
that's... I don't know about that. Yeah, but... so I... And I 100% disagree with that. Uh, but, like, you can see that. her in some scenes... In scenes where she's not crying, her nose is red. Like, she looks like she's been crying. Oh, yeah. Her eyes are kind of hollow. Like, she looks... It's bad. ...fucking miserable. Right. Like, you can see it. It's like abuse. It's like Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the performances are, are great, but, like... At what cost? Like you said with the exorcist when he fired the gun by his ear. <laughs> yeah. I will yeah. act surprised. <laughs> yeah. just, you don't I am an actor. You, yeah, this is unnecessary. It's just, I just wanted to kind of throw that in there because this is an excellent film, but he yeah, abused this woman to get this rough. performance. Yeah. yeah. It's horrible. I'll, I'll say this and I'll get back into the plot, but I read that Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall were a little annoyed at the fact that Kubrick got all of the credit for The Shining. Yeah. When they fucking went through it for this movie. Yeah. And they deserve some kind of accolades and recognition. Absolutely. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. But back to the door. Yes. <laughs> Jack makes a hole in the door large enough to peek his head through. And he puts his face through it and says, Here's Johnny. Iconic. Probably one of the most iconic shots in horror, period. And it, that was ad-libbed. Which blows my mind. Yeah. I, I read Kubrick didn't even know what that meant. He didn't know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's just like shrugging at the monitor. Yeah, like, what I don't, is that? Sounds cool. Use it works. It. <laughs> Leave it in. There's also a moment when Jack Nicholson hits the door and some wood hits the camera and he looks concerned like, do I keep going? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, man. But he does. He keeps going. You're going to make me do this again, yeah. aren't God you? Damn it. Take, take 95. <laughs> So Wendy slashes his hand with a knife. And again, he's like, ow! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he like forgets he can feel pain. I don't, it's it's hilarious. But I guess, are they distracted by the sound of the snowcat? They hear Halloran? I right. guess, yeah. And so Danny has made his way back inside the hotel and he hides in the kitchen in like a cupboard. Mm-hmm. Halloran makes his way inside the hotel and he calls out to the Torrances. He's walking through the hotel lobby and out of nowhere, Jack jumps out and he drives the axe right into Halloran's chest. And it's like this great moment of tension because you know that anything could happen at any time, but it still surprises the hell out of you. Yes. When we've watched this guy travel across the country to save this family and fucking two minutes after he walks into the hotel, he gets got. No, it's bad. And and the other thing, though, Danny's in the cupboard in an entirely different room. He does not see any of this, but he screams because he knows that it's happened. Yeah. The odd thing is the shot of him screaming is the exact vision he saw back in the apartment in Boulder, that Colorado. That Tony, Tony was trying to tell oh, him. Oh, okay. And so it's come to fruition. Yeah. My question, where was Halloran's shine, man? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like he, 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 or, or Danny's. Why didn't you yeah. warn him? He's My jet dad's lag. got an axe. He's, no. <laughs> like something, dude. It's like I'm fucking tired. Did the yeah. shine go down with the phone lines? <laughs> what the fuck? So Jack is on the hunt for Danny now after hearing that scream. Danny makes a run for it, and Jack is just hobbling right after him. Wendy <laughs> Wendy goes upstairs to look for Danny, and she hears like chanting. It, the chanting is eerie. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm realizing it's kind of insane. Kind of like we, from the, the Conjuring last week, 
human voices just in unison are terrifying, and I don't know why. Well, we've <laughs> talked about that in Hereditary and yeah. The Witch. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Just, just so that's a recurring voice. theme. It can be very scary. So she hears that chanting, and she gets to the top of the stairs, and she looks down the hall, and she sees... <laughs> A man in an assless bear costume, and I guess he's performing oral sex on a butler? No, he is. They Yeah, I I I was confused. They turn around to face her, and neither of them looks displeased at being caught. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like, oh hi. But they don't look like they're having a good time either. So was this in the novel? I actually do want to talk about this. Okay. Okay, so in the scene earlier when Jack goes to the gold room. Yes. And all the party is going on. Mm-hmm. In the novel, he dances with the woman. And the woman is kind of spilling the tea on the whole situation going on. Okay. Well, the owner of the hotel, Derwent, is bisexual. Okay. He had an affair with a man named Roger. Roger completely fell in love with Derwent. But Derwin's like, I don't do relationships with men or I'm not going to do a relationship with you or whatever. Uh huh. Roger is basically like, I will do anything. Humiliate me. I don't give a shit. I'll show up to the party in a dog suit. I don't care. I just want to be with you. Oh. Derwin's like, show up in a dog suit. <laughs> so he he does. So it's a dog, not a bear. And it's a dog. Okay. And I well, think it looks well, like that, a bear. Well, in that, the yeah, that much that, better. Yeah. yeah. Much now, don't sense. you get it now? Yeah. Oh, a dog. Yeah, I um, get it. <laughs> Jack sees Roger in this dog suit being humiliated. Mm-hmm. Derwent is like, now beg for alcohol. For He's humiliating Jesus him in Christ, front of everyone. Dude. And um, I mean, it's able to infer that Wendy is seeing him in this dog suit and he has died in this dog suit, I'm assuming. But again, in the novel, when Jack is riding around, he runs into Roger in the dog suit. Oh, and Roger's face is covered in blood like he's been eating something. And he tells Danny, get the fuck out of here or I'm going to eat you. Oh, well, that's all he had to say. Yeah. Then, so Danny runs away and hides in a room, and you can hear Roger with Derwent telling oh. him to get it up, and I know what you <laughs> like, and this, this, and what that. And then he howls, and the howl turns into a scream, and then he's gone. Okay, so that's very frightening. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't know who the man, if the man that is being filleted is supposed to be Derwent. No, because there's something that comes yes. up later okay. in the movie. Yes, yes. But I feel like that is kind of interesting. And I guess that the man in the suit is supposed to be a nod to that. But it's really fucking confusing. I feel like it. it the difficulty is it, it feels a little out of place. But at the same time, you're like, well, thank you for paying uh, some kind yeah. of attention to the novel. Yeah. You know, you're adding like little Easter eggs in earlier, like way earlier in the film. Jack's wearing a shirt. That's the school. Yeah. That he was fired from in the novel. So you're like, you did read the novel. You're paying attention. I agree. You're doing it your own way. I just feel like even if we saw him being humiliated at the party, when Jack was at the party. That's true. Even if it's in the background. Yeah. Even if we don't know the backstory and we see this happening and we're like, what the fuck? And then we see him later and we're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I just, I wish there was a little more there because that's a really like sad story. No, it is. Well, 
Winnie doesn't take the time to learn the story. No. <laughs> she, she gets the hell out of Dodge. Danny is heading outside and he goes to hide in the hedge maze, which not my top 10 places to hide. But then again, I guess he doesn't really have a lot of options. Right. No. <laughs> so Jack follows after. We get these amazing, quick, steady cam shots following Danny through the twists and turns of the maze. And it's amazing. It's ve- it's reminiscent of him in the hotel hallways. And it makes sense because every corner you turn, you feel like there could be danger. And it's the exact right. same thing in this maze. Mm-hmm. So Danny's leaving footsteps behind in the snow like no other. Wendy is still inside the hotel where she finds Halloran's body, which as they zoom in, he's clearly, <laughs> clearly still breathing. <laughs> I love Scatman Crothers, but he was clearly breathing in that shot. To his benefit, he was probably laying on that floor playing dead for six hours. Well, yeah. that's true. <laughs> I read that the scene where he was chopped in the chest they did so many times that he started crying and he was like, what do you want, Mr. Kubrick? Oh, God damn. <laughs> it makes me right? so like, sad. I'm just taking I'm taking, yeah, chest. that's what it. You, I'm dying. This want? came out when he was 70 years old. Like, God this damn. is This is I, an old man. I, I think Jack Nicholson went to bat for him and he was like, that was good. And they Jack Nicholson. Yeah, into no, Jack no, Nicholson's no. the one that got him into that's right, they this were, movie. Yeah. They were yeah. friends before. That. Um, it's like lay off him, yeah. Stanley, please. But like, terrorize the lady. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. right. That's Good fine. Alone, if yeah. these are your choices, I guess. God. Um, she turns around and she looks down the hall. She sees a man in a suit with a head injury. He toasts her with a drink, and she freaks the fuck out. Now, from what I read, this man is supposed to be the owner of yeah. the hotel. Well, he says that line in the book. Great party, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's supposed. So I, so Roger, I guess is cheating, running around. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Bark, it, bark. It- <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, she she finds her way into another room, and this room is filled with spider webs and skeletons dressed in 1920s attire. Yeah. So. I don't know. What More again. questions. So Danny mocks up some fake footprints in this genius, it's really smart plan to trick Jack into following them. Wendy's back inside, and she actually witnesses the blood pouring out of the elevator, just like in Danny's vision. Outside, Jack follows those fake footprints, and they lead to nowhere. And he's like, "What?" So he starts screaming out to Danny. And then he hears what I I can only... It sounds like a horn. It's like a blaring horn. And it distracts him. And while he's distracted, Danny makes a break for it. But Jack gets lost in the maze. So Danny makes it out of the maze, meets up with Wendy, and they get out of there in the snowcat. Jack collapses in the maze, then gets back up. This... Okay. Keep this in mind for later. He starts to sing this song called San Francisco, Here I Come, right. which is an old Broadway show tune from 1921. Oh. Okay, keep that in mind. He falls back down, and there's a smash cut to the next morning. Jack is frozen solid, dead, and the look on his face is horrifying. Mm-hmm. So this is when we get my favorite shot in the entire film. The song from the party in the gold room is playing 
and we slowly zoom in on a photograph inside the hotel. It's a party from years past at the Overlook, July 4th, 1921. Front and center in the shot is Jack Torrance. He's always been the caretaker, and I guess he always will be. And that's the end of the film. What did you guys think of The Shining? I'm still confused at the ending. Really? (laughs) I feel like it can be interpreted in numerous ways. I think what confused me is how is he in the picture? But he's obviously a real person right now. Right. Because he's got a family, all that just happened. But how is he in the picture? Or how is... There's, I mean... there's two theories. I'll tell you the first one, and then I'll tell you the one that I subscribe to. Okay. The first one is... And I think, honestly, this is what Kubrick said, if I'm not mistaken. I watched a video on The Take. I love The Take. I love The Take. They had said that Kubrick said Jack was actually a reincarnation of a previous caretaker of the hotel. And now they're saying that this is also true for Charles Grady, which is why he introduced himself as Delbert Grady, because he was later reincarnated as Charles Grady. So it's like something about the hotel that does this. So does that mean that the picture changes? I believe that the picture always stays the same. If Also, the other thing is that picture pops up in very far back in so you the can't hotel see? a lot. You can't see who's in it. You just see that it's a party going right, on. Right, right. But, and while I do respect that theory and it's Kubrick's idea of what the ending would be, my personal interpretation of it is there's a lot of talk in this movie about history. History is very important. You've got the history of the Native Americans. You've got the history of how the hotel was built. You've got the history of what Grady did to his family. History, you can't escape it. You try to run from it, etc. Jack's history of being an abusive, alcoholic father and husband, he right. couldn't escape it. Now, what I think happened is he became history. The hotel swallowed him up. And now he is a part of its history. So did they add him to the picture? Yes. That's oh, what I, I think I happened. Like that. I like See, that. that's what that's I what thought. I think yeah. That's that's I, when when I was like, okay, I was like, what what does that mean? Or what you know what I mean? I was yeah. like, cause they do tell him that you've always been the caretaker. Yes. So does that mean that they're just going to add you to the collection of people here I and now you're part of the picture? There's, or? there's something about the hotel and once you succumb to what it wants you to do, you're now a part of it. Right. And it almost goes into kind of what Halloran said about places having their own shine and you leaving your own history. Right. And good or bad, people with the shine can see it. Yeah, yeah. And if places have the shine, maybe they can replay it. Maybe they can have the past and the future and the present all kind of intertwined. And so that that was kind of my interpretation was that all of this did happen. But now that Jack succumbed to what the hotel wanted from him, he's now a part of the hotel. Right. And I think that's, to me, that's the scariest interpretation of the ending. It's really scary. And it makes sense, honestly. 
Uh, I I like that a little better than the reincarnation. reincarnation. reincarnation yeah. That yeah. just seems like a cheap way yeah, out. Yeah, I was like, okay, Stanley. I, uh, <laughs> I didn't write the film, but let me tell you how. <laughs> Actually. Well, yeah. I'm glad that, that I, because that's what I thought too. I was okay, like, well, maybe good. the thing swallowed him up and added him to the picture. Now you're part of everybody. Yes. And just like, like everyone's stuck in here. The, yeah. In the front, front and center. Well, he wanted to stay there forever and ever. He did. He, did. Yeah. he got his he wish. He got exactly what he wished for. I did want to talk a little bit about the differences in the ending of the book right and a point that i have wanted to make about tony because i feel like it's not explained at all in no, the yeah. movie no I it's kind of just a thing like it almost seems like a character quirk yeah yeah but this in, is how his shine is like in out. the <laughs> book danny's name is danny anthony torrance tony right comes from that huh yeah and what tony is because of danny's shine it is Danny in the future. Okay. That's why he's giving him flashes. That's why he's saying like right. because he's seen over, it. He's no, he knows it. Oh he's my been god. It. Okay. Which See, I think is infinitely more interesting than oh that's just his invisible friend. He lives in my mouth. Yada yada yada. No, Which we yeah. know it's something more than that, but we get no clarification or really any elaboration in the on book, it. Do they say anything? Yeah, it's oh. him in the future. Oh, oh, they do say that. Yeah. Wow. But then why does he keep calling his mom Mrs. Torrance? It's his mom. Just say mom. Why can't? I mean, Did he say that in the book? I don't think so. Yeah. And it's been well, a, but then it's I guess been a little di- while. If you're ditching that, then I guess you kind of have to. Yeah, it's been a little while since I read it, so I could be wrong, but. I don't I don't think so. And I I like that version of Tony or that inter- interpretation right, right. of Tony no, I because agree. it feels like yeah, maybe he can't fully say, "Hey, let me tell you everything that's going to happen. Your dad's going to come crazy." <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, but he's yeah. like, "Look, this is some yeah. shit that's going to happen." He's telling him in and any way that he can. Vaguely, he's like, "Stay away from the overlook." Yeah. You know? Well, that's why he's like Tony doesn't want to go. Yeah. Tony has a good because reason for Tony's not wanting to there, go. Yeah. And he sees. Um, so I really liked that in the book, and I wish that that would have been incorporated into the movie. Also, in the book, Dick doesn't die. And I wish that that would have happened in the movie. Um, Dick Halloran was a godsend. Yeah. And if anybody deserved to live, if I'm not mistaken, I read he's the only death you see on film aside from Jack Torrance freezing to death at the end. It's unfortunate. Also, in the book, there were topiary animals right, that right. came to life. Mm-hmm. And Kubrick was like, we're not, that's not gonna. <laughs> um, which is fine. Don't, <laughs> if you don't think you're gonna make it look good, don't do it. Right. Yeah, the time. Um, but that's, I feel like the hedge maze was kind of a surrogate for that. I talked to dad about that today, and he was saying how interesting and terrifying it was in the book mm-hmm. and how it sucked, I guess, the timing where they weren't able to do yeah. that in the movie because he said it would have been really but incredible. It would have been, but I'm so glad that they didn't because can you imagine some cheesy ass like no, in this yeah. beautiful movie? I'm glad that they didn't. Well, but- Kubrick faked the moon landing. I bet he could make some, <laughs> oh, some you good can make some tree yeah. animals. <laughs> Come on. Um, that kind of standoff where he's chasing Danny in the hedge maze happens in the house. Hmm. And Danny tells him, you're not my dad. You're the house with a mask on. Right. Wow. And that kind of makes Jack come around and he's like, get the fuck away from me. Like run. 
So like the Wolfman. Yes. <laughs> so Danny runs and Jack remembers that this whole time, I think Danny mentions it. He remembers that this whole time, like I said earlier, he's supposed to be checking the boilers and venting yeah. them and he has not been. Oh, shit. So he runs down to the bottom and it's too late. They explode. The overlook explodes. Jack is killed. Wendy, Danny and Dick take off on the snowcat. And at the end, oh, and he, it's an, it's a, excuse me, a cro croquet mallet. Yeah. And the right. book, not an ax. And Jack beats the shit out of Wendy with it. Oh. And so at the very end of the book, they're, I think, in Miami with Dick. And Dick is kind of consoling Danny because his dad is dead. Right. And Wendy's alive, but she's like fucked up. She's yeah. recuperating. Right. But I like that ending better. I don't. Really? Yeah, I like this ending much better. Even though it, we lose Halloran, I yeah. like the ending of the film way I like. I think it's scarier that it's still standing, don't get me wrong, but I like the thought of it going down in flames. And it's really interesting to me that the book ended in flames and the movie ended in ice. Huh. I don't think I'm smart enough to <laughs> hey, get what no. that means. Well, it's just Whoa. it's just how different he wanted Maybe. it to be from right. thing. No, It's yeah, like, you know what will yeah, piss yeah. him off? Fucking nice. Uh, right. So that's my two cents about the book. I think the question was, did we like it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think about 45 minutes ago I asked you <laughs> Sorry. what you thought of The Shining. I love The Shining. C great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very quickly, I do want to say I read that Kubrick had filmed an epilogue that would really? come after that. And what it was was them in the hospital, Wendy and Danny. And I guess... Some inspector would come and talk to them and he would tell them they had done some investigation and there was no evidence of anything that they said at the Overlook <gasps> Hotel. And then there would be like a title card at the end and it would say that the Overlook Hotel reopened in May. Oh my God. And that it remains open for guests and all this. I don't really like that. And that's, I'm so glad that they didn't include I that. I feel like that's really creepy, though, that it's like the hotel covered up its own crimes. It, it is yeah, creepy, but I yeah. think that ending on the visual of the photograph is much creepier than that's fair. a doctor or a policeman being like, well, I got nothing. No, that's yeah. fair. So what, what did you think of the show, I, JP? Oh, no, I loved it. It's yeah. Incredible. yeah. I, I told her, too, when we started watching it, and I seen her already taking notes and I said, I got to stop watching the movie because I'm not writing. I said, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm watching just enjoying the movie. It. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's, it's an amazing yeah, film. Yeah, I was like, man, I'm just watching this. So I was like, I got to get out of the, just, oh my God, this is great. <laughs> so, but no, I, I loved it. No, it's incredible. Yeah. So I guess that brings us to ratings. Out of 10 hedge mazes, I am going to give The Shining nine. 0.5 out of 10 hedge mazes. And let me explain. I re reserve the 10 for movies that there is not one thing I would change. I have to ding the movie just a slight bit for Jack Nicholson already seeming <laughs> insane before he goes insane. I think the movie would have been infinitely better and would have gotten a 10 if we could watch someone gradually go insane that's at this hotel. Fair. That's that's, fair. that's very fair. But outside of that, this movie no, is yeah. unimpeachable. Yeah. It is all it is almost a perfect film, but I have to ding it just for that because I know that it would have been a much better movie. And I love Jack Nicholson. No, oh yeah. Don't get me wrong. 
but I feel like it would have been infinitely better if we watched an actual descent into madness. That's very fair. As oh, opposed yeah. to madness just being uncovered. <laughs> madness uh, magnifying. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to open up the floor to you. What would you guys rate The Shining out of 10 hedge mazes? Um, I had an 8.5, but I'm going to change it to a 9. Okay. Because I did have a lot of fun watching the movie and doing it and us talking about it, and it just made it better and better as it went. <laughs> I do agree with you on him just being crazy off the bat. <laughs> and it was... Yeah. You know, it was. It would have been nice to see him just be a normal father, husband, whatever, and then get crazy, not just crazy right away. Yeah. Because like you said, when he's in the interview, he's just like, yeah, he's this already. is okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, dude, calm down. All right. Then they're in the car. He's like, you should have ate your food. Yeah, it's like, it's what? like all the right, hell? chill out. You haven't yeah. even made it there no. yet. No, uh, it hasn't even sunk its claws in you yeah, yet. Yeah, but it it is. There's There's so much that is good. There's so yes. much that's really good. And I haven't read the book like your sister, and I know your sister runs through them, and she's book after book. But, I mean, just as a movie, if we're just judging it on a movie alone. Which we yeah. have to. Which, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's a nine all day. Like, it's great. You know, mm -hmm. and, and again, I know we talk about it a lot, but what, a movie that you're able to watch over and over. Exactly. And this, is, I feel like, is one of them. It honestly is. I watched this movie so many times. Every year, actually. And, yeah, and I do like the ending of this one, too. Oh, absolutely. I do. Yeah. And hearing the ending from the book, I'm not going to lie to you. That doesn't really... I mean, it's not... Really? It, it, yeah. To me, it sounds a little cliche. And then the no, hotel yes. blows up. No, yeah. I, like, yeah. And, and I know but you there said have you don't like the inspector thing. Yeah. But I think that would have been... I, the only reason I, get, I think... I get it, why. Be, yeah, because like it's like the hotel erased it. Yeah. So we're going to keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I think my issue with that is I just love the shot of the picture so much that it's the last thing I want to see. No, that yeah, that's fair. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I, I get what you're saying for no, sure. No, yeah. I do want to make it known okay. that I am glad that Kubrick changed the ending for the film. Right. And we will get into why another day. <laughs> but I'm gonna take a page from your book, and I am gonna have to raise my score a point five as well, solely for the fact that I've gotten goosebumps several times <laughs> just while talking no, about this. Dude, it's real, for and real. that the visuals stick with you so much that as we're talking about the scenes, I can literally see them no, in my yeah. head. Yes. And then, how much is this film responsible for? And oh again, in pop God. culture. Oh yeah. So uh, out of 10 hedge mazes, I am going to have to also give it 9.5 hedge mazes. Wow. I had given it nine. I have to agree with you. And it, I have to bump it up a little bit just because of the emotions that I felt no, just talking about no it. No joke. This isn't just saying it because everybody else has said it. I came into this. I was thinking, okay, The Shining is a nine out of 10. But the more we talk about it, the more we think about it, everything that went into it, the craft, the acting, the set design, the writing, mm -hmm. the ending, the iconic imagery, everything. Just the more that we You're unpack like, you it. You have to. I want to give it. No, yeah. I want to give it a 10. And the only reason that I can't is it just leaves me wanting a little bit more explanation on some of the things that we saw. Right. That's fair, too. Yeah. And I, I would even literally, if that was satisfied for me, I would overlook Nicholson being batshit crazy from the first scene. <laughs> I could overlook that. The only, uh -huh. the only ding, like I would give it a 9.75. The only ding for me is that I just want a little bit, like talk about 
the dog man a little bit more. Right. Talk yeah. about, like no, I that's fair. just a All little right. bit more. That, Talk about Grady a little bit more. Just I would love a little bit more of the crazy fucking history that, that happened did in this place. That seem a little out of place. Just <laughs> um, like, oh, we also have got a dog yeah, man. Yeah. Hey man. <laughs> right, this dog's uh, giving this dude head. Yeah. Check it out. It's like, what? <laughs> we got yeah, crazy shit yeah. in this hotel. You came to the Overlook, yeah, baby. Yeah, it's like, what? If I could have just gotten a little bit more, this easily would have been a 10 out of 10 because this movie is fantastic right. absolutely but as it stands 9.5 hedge mazes that's fair well that's all from us at pod mortem what would you rate the shining and what should we watch next let us know on twitter at the pod mortem don't forget to follow us on instagram and like us on facebook be sure to follow each of us on twitter at travis mwh at blood and smoke and at real streeter 84 remember never take advice from a ghost waiter in the bathroom Until next time.